What is up, everybody? This is Alex. And this is James. And you're listening to the American Toffee Podcast. Serving up the latest Everton news and stateside views. Let's kick things off. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Hopefully you had a fantastic weekend leading up to a disappointing 2-1 loss at Old Trafford. James, what was your response or initial reaction to Everton's lineup when it was announced? Unchanged lineup, so pretty much what I was expecting, especially when we talked about last time, the usefulness of having Richarlison and his pace up front uh, when presumably we weren't going to have much of the ball. So I was happy with it. We won last time. I don't think that it was necessary to really make any changes. Uh, you could have had a shout for Yuri Mina to come in. Um, but, I mean, with the with improvements that we noticed last week uh, in midfield with Andre Gomez, and I think it was – you know, pretty much expected that there wouldn't be any changes considering that we're on three wins in a row. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think, you know, I was, I was talking to a, a buddy who's a Man U fan and I was telling him that I think in theory, that's pretty much our strongest lineup on paper, right? I mean, barring a front three and you're, when you're talking about, you know, in form and, and that sort of thing um, and which side, you know, people are playing at whether that's, you know, Richarlison up top or on the left. That's pretty close, if not our strongest lineup. So I felt really good about it. I mean, you just look at it and you think, you think, wow, like look at the, t- look at the team you can field at Old Trafford this year, right? Yeah. Um, I think in theory, it didn't quite work as, as we thought it was going to, but either way, it was, it was a tough, a tough result. I thought we came out and we looked pretty strong. Yeah, early on, it's been kind of a theme where against the t- a stronger size, I guess it's really just Arsenal that, w- that we played besides that. But we come out, you know, away from home on the front foot trying to create things. I mean, I thought it was pretty balanced from the start, which, again, for us to be away from home and look, you know, up to the challenge, I thought was very encouraging. And then, um, yeah, so go. it was early. We didn't really create any chances and that kind of dragged on through the whole like no real chances there's a lot of possession a lot of looking to play down the wings um I thought they did a good job of pressing and preventing us from being able to play out of the back for the for the majority of the game uh but yeah it was it was good to see early on everything that everything that we've seen in the past few games sort of continue that continuation of of those positive things um of course right leading up to the unfortunate incident um the penalty being given. Uh, what was your thoughts on that? So I thought leading up to it, right? Like it was interesting because you saw both, both teams very well organized and pressing really well. Um, specifically Everton. And I know like the NBC commentators mentioned it, but like Everton's pressing was just extremely, extremely um, organized and efficient. And to be honest, our players looked they looked confident, which was nice to see. And it was just wide open. Like you knew in the first two or three minutes that this match was going to be, was going to be entertaining. Um, so, you know, I, you saw that Rashford started over Lukaku and you assume, okay, straight away, they're going to try to take advantage of our high line that we play with Rashford's pace. Right. And I thought Zuma actually throughout the match really dealt with his pace pretty well. Rashford was pretty much a non-issue. Um, but Martial was a different question, right? He was bombing down the left-hand side, our right. And Coleman really couldn't handle it this match. Um, 
anyway, on a counterattack, Walcott loses possession. Marcial's, uh, you know, just trotting downfield. Ghana makes a very fair tackle in which you can see the ball redirect. And um, Martial decides to flop for it. Penalty given. And then, you know, in the most Everton uh, fashion, right? Pickford saves it. And Pogba scores on the rebound, which, yeah. It's, it just, like, it had me just sink right down into my seat because I don't think, well, actually, let me rephrase that. I know we didn't deserve it. Yeah, it's just another one of those horrible, horrible refing decisions that seem to sap all of our momentum when just when we're looking to to build and kick on and go for goal. The same thing happened in the Arsenal match. Um, there was a you know terrible refing decision, and then also you know the red cards earlier this season. So it's just a trend where, despite when everything is on the up and up, we make a stupid mistake. And in this case, I mean it's a horrible, horrible call by John Moss. Uh, it's hard because it's in that moment and Martial really, you know, does a good job of selling it, but you can't call that a penalty. And then, you know, of course, Ghana had been, I thought he played very, very well, uh, especially considering he picked up that yellow card very early uh, for the kind of rash challenge. Um, And he was doing, he did really well after the fact to maintain his composure and not pick up that second yellow. But the decision is just horrible. And then Pogba does the most ridiculous run up I've seen in a Oof. long time. And that's after we saw Richarlison on international duty do a fairly ridiculous one as well. This was worse. It was like uh, just slow motion. I felt like I was, it wasn't even soccer or something completely different. Uh, and then Pickford again, makes a great save and it's just an unlucky rebound. He does a really good job of saving it. Uh, and it's good to see him now two weeks in a row, save penalties uh, to sort of change the mentality. Cause when, once it was given, it was like, okay, we're going to concede here. Uh, and then he saved it. It was like, wow. Okay. Finally, we have something, uh, you know, a keeper where maybe that's not the case. And then right. just, it was an, an easy tap in really, but it was a composed tap in at the same time. Yeah. It was just icing on the cake. Right. Didn't feel like we deserved it. Then Pickford, you know, Pickford saves it. <laughs> and no matter what you do, no matter how hard you try, it just, it was fate, right? I think we saw, you know, speaking of the Richarlison, we saw throughout the match, but really it, it was kind of highlighted to me in the first half. He was just really getting bullied, specifically by Lindelof. Yeah. Um, You know, we talked about how his pace is, is and can be a, a nice asset up, up front compared to Jenk Tosin. But, and he's a pretty strong guy, but he's not, he, he, I don't think that he knows how to use his body well yet. Does that make sense? Like we saw Calvert-Lewin over the last season and a half, two seasons, um, learn how to use his strength in the right way. And that's a really important skill for a forward to have, whether you're, whether you're really like a hold up forward or not. And so I think that that was a big issue for us because Richarlison couldn't hold the ball up as well. And so we, we, you know, we lost a lot of link up play. You could tell some of the players weren't on the same page, but that's what happens when you shake up the midfield and, and shake up your, your, your focal point and attack as well. Obviously, you know, last week was the same, but. Yeah. I mean, I really thought that the midfield overall played fairly well. I think we do, or we don't have it yet, but we're finding that balance between having the creative midfielder who can 
bring the ball forward and distributing Gomez and then having Gay, who's kind of just a whirlwind on the pitch, like everywhere, disrupting, creating things. And then uh, Gilvy Sigurdsson, I thought, had an had a very good game today. Uh, he was very strong on the ball. There were numerous times when he would just have Manchester United players draped all over him and he would just fight it off and continue on. Drew a lot of fouls. There were a couple of really nice through passes that he created. And it was it was very good to see that uh, balance in the midfield. But but going back to up top, yeah, Richarlison, what he brings to the table is not his his strength on the ball is almost a second secondary or, you know, third right. strength for him. So the way that Manchester United were pressing, we were trying to do, we're really preventing us from being able to play through the midfield. And so then we have to rely on our wings. Um, and that kind of segues nicely into, you know, the right side. You mentioned earlier, Martial kind of had his uh, way with, with Coleman uh, all afternoon and Walcott I thought was especially poor. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you, you you're going into halftime and I'm I'm I personally am pouting. Like I'm just straight up pouting. I was I was so mad. But you know, you're thinking to yourself, okay, one nil down, logically right. Last week, look at last week, scored twice, 87th, 89th minute. So you're like, okay, it's not over. Game's wide open. If we can be clinical, we got it. And then, you know, four minutes four minutes into the second half, Marcial picks up the ball. Or, well, actually, Pogba, I think, switches play to the left-hand side, their left-hand side. Walcott decides he just didn't need to get back to, you know, challenge or or get in the way or anything. And Martial had a fantastic finish. And now now you're you're looking at 2-0 down. And ironically, we usually start off the second half stronger than the first. Yeah, this was a bit of a weird one because, like you said, yeah, Silva thus far this season has really shown a strong ability to make those kinds of adjustments in the locker room at halftime uh, and then come out with something a little bit different. And I think it's almost just like a lapse in, in concentration from the whole team. Uh, and I did notice, you know, throughout the second half, I didn't think that we looked as aggressive. I don't know if it was that we were tired, but we weren't pressing them the way that we were in the first half. And as a result, when you have players like Juan Mata and Paul Pogba who can have time on the ball and they can get it and they can turn and look and pick out players, it's just, it's not a good recipe for a win. And and Martial does fantastically well to strike that first time, curl it, really not much Pickford could do about it. And then it's 2-0 and yeah, you're at Old Trafford. And I think at that point, the head started to, to go down a little bit. Um, which is something that I think Silva has done this season is sort of uh, nullify that or reduce those those types of things because those were that that would always happen last season and the seasons in the past when we concede and it'd just be heads down and we'd lose all rhythm and it would just kind of fall apart. Um, and even though that happened for the two 0 we did after that sort of you know light light a fire under under ourselves and, and play to get back in the game. Yeah, Lookman came on for Bernard um, around 60-ish minutes, 62-minute mark. And I thought he looked pretty good. He brings plenty of pace, nice acceleration on the ball, and um, he floated around quite a bit. He was doing well on the defensive side of things. Um, I will say his passing was kind of poor, but that just comes with you know more experience and keeping a level head with it. Shortly after Romelu Lukaku made his uh, made his or bowed in the match for Marcus Rashford, and that guy just got in the way, right? He 
I've seen it all over Twitter, but like he legitimately just looks overweight at this point. He was he uh absolute unit. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what they say, right? Yeah, like yeah, unit something like unit that. that lad. Uh yeah. but I think um Lookman coming on specifically was a nice little lift for the squad. Bernard, um, I think he said to someone, I, I saw some quotes yesterday or today, and he mentioned that he, you know, he still isn't 100% like match fit, right? Like he's match yeah. fit in terms of being able to get out on the pitch and play. But there's still a difference, right? Because, you know, you, you get in, you, you get into it like mentally. And, you know, when you're when you're really, really fit, you're actually match fit. You don't have to necessarily try to conserve energy all the time. Um, you know, obviously your legs will work a little harder for you and, and a little longer. So it's understandable. But I thought it, I, get, I thought it gave us a good boost. Yeah, Bernard was very poor. Not very poor, but he was not himself, I don't think. And I, I think I agree with you that the fitness is... A concern and it's also just adjusting to the Premier League you know he's coming from Ukraine having not played a lot of international soccer football uh, over the last few years so while Ukraine is a physical league the quality of player average quality is just completely different and uh, I think when he came on you know made his debut against Leicester he was sort of an unknown quantity and now that you know teams are starting to see more footage of him and see what he can do they know that He's not physical and he's not going to win balls in the air. And so they're, they're closing down and he hasn't been able to really explode and create space for himself. Like he did in that Leicester game. Uh, so his, his effectiveness has has dwindled over the last couple matches, but like you said, it's, it's all about getting comfortable. And he, I think we should probably stick with him and allow him to adapt to the Premier league, adapt to the rhythm of the game. Um, and develop chemistry because it's still very early in terms of the partnerships between these players, uh, developing that into something where we can consistently create positive chances game after game. Yeah. So, you know, it, it gets a little confusing because naturally I think a lot of the discussion after today's matches that Richarlison should really be played on the left because, you know, his bread and butter is, is being able to beat defenders, use his strength, because naturally fullbacks, you know, central midfielders are not going to be as big and strong as center backs. And he's definitely good in that department um, relative, right, to those types of players. Right. Cutting in on the right foot, sending in a nice, a nice cross far post or, or, you know, a sly shot. So, you know, that, that makes you wonder, okay, where does that leave Bernard? You know, we know that he can play, um, you know, across the, the either wing or attacking midfield, but attacking midfield is not not a possibility, right? Because Gilfie Sigurdsson is still playing ridiculously well. I mean, you saw Richarlison was fouled, fouled by Smalling, which, again, Smalling should have had a second yellow for that. Right. Terrible. It's a terrible, okay. terrible challenge. Not even so, close. So Smalling should have been sent off. This was the 77th minute, 76th minute. Gilfie Sigurdsson buries the penalty. Fantastic penalty kick. Yep. And you can see, right? Everyone's ready to get it going again, right? You have you have about 15 minutes left before added time. Immediately after Calvert Lewin and Jenk Tosin come on for Ghana and Theo Walcott, and you can tell that they're 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 ready to go, and they really believe that two two or 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 even three to two is a possibility, which is my main takeaway from this match, right? It's 
It's the fact that you can tell the confidence and the belief is there. Did we have a dip specifically early on in the first 15 minutes or so in the, in the, in the second half? Yeah, we did. But it's the fact that they, they, they legitimately looked like they believed they could do it. And that's the important piece. Yeah, and you could kind of hear just over the TV the Manchester United fans getting a little anxious because we did you know, possess a lot of the ball in that last 15, 20 minutes. Um, even though we did concede, as we we're looking to attack more, we gave them a couple of really good chances, and Marcial um, had a easy one-on-one with the keeper that he kind of just stalled and didn't finish. Uh, we also haven't mentioned Bernard's sitter that he probably should have scored. So, yes, I mean, there was... We had a lot of halfway decent chances and a couple really, really good chances. And it's just kind of continuing on the theme we've seen where we look really positive for 85% of, you know, when we're playing, it's that final bit where we lack the ability to in and around the opponents 18 to break them down when they're all back and set. And the other thing that kind of stuck out, in the second half for me was that we weren't really looking to counterattack. We were kind of, I guess this is kind of, you can attribute it to Manchester United, the way they've set up defensively, but yep. we were not looking to get out and, and go at them with pace. It was like, we'd pass forward a lot of back passes looking to play out of the back, play it long. And yeah, the back line for me and you just kind of was eating it up. Yeah. I mean, you saw, you saw once Sigurdsson scored the penalty and, and we, we had two subs on, we had, you know, 10, 11, 12 minutes left before added time. And they played classic Jose Mourinho football and got 10 or 10 players behind the ball, right? Lukaku was the only one up top. Um, so it's understandable. I mean, you, you know, you okay, so you look at the fact that they shouldn't have gotten a penalty. So, so really, you know, maybe it could have been 1 1 or even, you know, maybe, maybe you know, there wasn't so much of a dip in the second half because of the fact that, you know, momentum wasn't swinging in their favor. But you look at Bernard, should have literally slotted it in the back of the net. You had Seamus Coleman, who got one-on-one, really. Yep. He did, yep. and he guided it essentially right over to Haya's head. Um, so you take a couple of these chances, and we had plenty of shots on target, right? So let's see. We had 13 shots total, seven on seven on goal, right? Um and so you kind of expect you kind of expect more more of a return from that. Now we've seen more shots in plenty of games before, right? Like a, a general theme recently has been legitimately like twenty, if not twenty, yeah. close to twenty shots. Yep. So it's still positive. I personally am not trying to come off as negative because while it's very annoying, and I felt like we were we 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 deserved more. It's, it comes down to the fact that we looked good. You, you know, I'm not used to seeing a display with with such confidence against any of the quote unquote big six teams. And so I think it's something to build off of. And we have, don't worry, we have uh, plenty of away matches coming up in the next month and a half or so that we can attempt to redeem ourselves. Yeah, I'm I'm 100% with you. I think it's really important not to get discouraged off of these types of results against these top sides at their places, at their respective homes. Um, This is a long haul. We're in a long project, a long rebuild. And it's not going to happen overnight that all of a sudden we're going to go on runs where we can beat Manchester United at home, Chelsea, or away rather. 
Chelsea away, Man City away. Like we have not beat some of these teams at their respective stadiums in over a decade. And so it's not going to, you know, 10 games into Marco Silva's reign is not going to be this complete 180 where we are dominating these teams off the pitch and, and winning. Um, the signs of improvement are very, very tangible in that we've gone now to Chelsea, uh, not Chelsea, Arsenal and Manchester United and been in both games. And again, if it weren't for some shocking refereeing decisions, we may have gotten two points out of both of them, or, you know, two points total out of those two matches. I don't think we would have necessarily won either of them, but it's just, it's a patient, it's patience. And this is where it comes in as fans where we should, we're now that we're finally starting to beat the teams we should be beating. It's about taking that next step and pulling off a, upset for lack of a better word these types of games where we can sort of steal points and that's where and it was mentioned on the broadcast like that's why Everton are resigned to finishing wherever mid not in the top six because we can't at this point or have yet to prove that we can win these types of games which what you need if you want to finish up in the competing for Champions League places yeah I agree and and to piggyback off that another big portion of it right is is competition in the squad because you see the this team you know they're able to play they're able to play three matches in eight days and you can rest you know you you don't need Sanchez you don't need Lukaku um so and you still and you still make it happen right um so you you just you have to work with with what you got, you know, you look over at the bench, right? We had Yeri Mina, Jenk Tosin, but, you know, something I noticed today was Schneiderlin didn't make the bench, right? Tom Davies made right. it over, over Schneiderlin. Look back, little, look back a year and a half ago. Morgan Schneiderlin was one of the first players on the team sheet. Like, we, we literally depended on that guy, like, every single week. And... You know, now he can't even make it in the squad over Tom Davies and a lone player. I mean, obviously Gomez is is technically probably one of the best players in the squad, but mm. things have changed. A lot of things have changed. Um, and it just comes down to instilling like a winning mentality and a quote unquote big club mindset, right? So with that being said, who would your man of the match be? I know it's it's way less fun choosing when we don't have three points to take away as well. Yeah, I mean, in reality, it's probably Martial for Manchester United. But as far as, you know, Everton is concerned, it's tough. There's a lot of players that you could make an argument for. I thought that both of the central defenders were excellent today. Again, very assured. Zuma especially winning everything in the air. Um, Midfield was Andre Gomez, another potential candidate really looking forward to seeing him more of him in a blue shirt and how he can progress within the team. But my man of the match is going to Adrisa Ganage for his performance. Again, he just shows week in week out why Morgan Schneiderlin is not able to get back into the team. And because it's because Silva, when he first came to Everton specifically mentioned Morgan Schneiderlin, as we all know, as the type of player with the profile to play that number six role, but gays become irreplaceable and, you know, the straw that stirs the drink, I guess, is the best way to put it. And that I've never without him in the team, I've literally never heard that expression. And we uh, take it back. <laughs> no, never. I'm standing by it. And he he really makes everything tick, 
especially defensively. We all know his shortcomings offensively, but I think with the balance between him and Andre Gomez moving forward, I think that that's a very strong partnership. So yeah, Ghana is my man of the match. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to stick to the midfield, but I'm going to have to say Gilfie Sigurdsson. Um, I don't even say that in terms of, of tangibles, right? Like he, you know, scored the penalty, but the way he carried himself, he linked up play really well. He had plenty of fantastic through balls or passes to unlock the defense. You know, Gilfie's trademark, and it's one of my favorite things to watch, period, in any sport, is when he's when he's like covered defensively and he's off balance, but he somehow kind of pulls off a pass at an awkward angle. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like stumbling and he'll somehow get a foot in and it'll just ping. Yeah, and you're just foot. like, how, A, how did you even see that angle? And B, physically, how did you just weight the pass perfectly? And, and you know... And then you have that level of trust with, with you know your outside players or your forward players that that are kind of running onto the ball. Like, you know, you understand that <laughs> although you're probably you know over his shoulder, he's somehow gonna make it happen. So I'm going with Gilfie Sigurdsson. I hope he continues his form because we really really need it. Um, and so we have we have Brighton next weekend, right next Saturday. So, hopefully, I'm actually not even sure if it's home or away. Um, it's home because we've got home. the back and forth with the home and then the brutal aways. Right. We have Brighton and then Chelsea away yeah, and then Cardiff at home. So, that's going to be a really crucial match. Obviously, we'll do a, a much more in-depth pre-match this week. So, hopefully, you guys look forward to that. But otherwise, um, James, keep uh, keep stirring your drink with a straw. <laughs> And we'll do that. Everyone else tuning in, we really appreciate it. We look forward to um, having another episode midweek uh, lining up for Brighton. Up the toffees. Thanks so much for tuning in to the American Toffee Podcast. It is available on all major platforms. Please make sure you rate, review, and subscribe. That would help us out a ton. And follow us on Twitter as well at USA Toffee Pod. Until next time, come on you blues.